Hello, and welcome to Time Between Times Storytelling, with me, Owen Staten. Welcome back to that place where you can just sit and relax and listen to tales traditionally told. At the fireplace, as we once did many years ago. Tonight, I have a special treat for you. Tonight, I am going to tell you a tale that has not been told before. This tale has not appeared on my Time Between Times videos on YouTube. This tale has not been told for a long, long time. But as the wheel of the year starts to turn, as the nights and the morning get colder and chillier, and as the Time Between Times becomes really prevalent, I thought now is the time to tell you this tale. So sit back, relax, wherever you are, whenever you are. Now is the time between times, the time when it is neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey, the time when the veil between our world and the fairy world grows wafer, wafer thin, so thin that for just a few moments you can step into their realm, and for a few moments they can step into ours. Now is the time that people see ghosts, now is the time that people see lights in the sky. Now is the time that people see fairies. So take that winding path into the forest. See the trees stretched to the sky. Feel the chill in the air. Look up and see the moon starting to rise as the sun starts to set. Take your place around the spluttering fireplace. Look around at the friendly faces that have gathered there and know that you are among friends. Far away we can hear the howl of wolves, we can hear the howl of bears, but we know we are safe here at the time between times. So sit back as I tell you the savage and surreal tale of the ghosts of Gower. Not far from here there is Rossilli Bay, near the Worm's Head, as it is known. It is one of the most beautiful, stark places in all of the United Kingdom. It is here that people come from miles around, all through the summer and the winter, to enjoy their holidays. It has a golden beach that stretches for miles, and cliff-top walks that go from one part of Wales to the other. But here is a home of ghosts. Here is a dark place. It is here that voices are heard at night. It is here that the sea screams up the voices of those who were lost to it many years ago. And here in Rossilli there are tales that go back for centuries of spirits and ghosts that walk the beach. In the centre of Rossilli, right on the beach, there is an old rectory, a beautiful but foreboding building, it stands whitewashed and proud, just after where the sea breaks at its highest. Every day people walk past, wild horses run on the beach, sheep graze nearby. But few know what once happened there. But tonight I will tell you. For there, back in the year of 1850, something terrible happened. On a night 
There was so stormy it felt like the world was about to end. The wind howled, the rain hammered, lightning rent the sky, and the thunder felt like the gods were throwing boulders in the sky. And there were the two people who lived in the rectory at that time. Their names were Mary and Reed Stanton. They eked out a living in the rectory by fishing in the sea and looking after a small herd of sheep. They were poor but fairly happy, and here they were, in one of the most beautiful but bleak places in all of Wales. Reed looked out of the window, and far out to sea, he could see a ship tossing and turning on the waves. Far out, up and down, it went over and around. He turned to Mary and he said, That is the Myrmidon. It's returning to Swansea from South America. Far away it has come. It would be lucky to make port with all hands, the way the sea looks. Mary joined him at the window and both of them looked out as the ship seemed to stop, not moving at all, and then going up and down, round and round on the waves, until eventually, after what seemed like an eternity, it moved onwards towards Swansea port. It felt like the roof of the rectory would collapse. It felt like the doors would blow in. But Reed and Mary made their way to bed and huddled under the blankets, hoping and praying for a dawn and a calm day, which is what they got. Just after dawn, there was a knock at the door. Reed made his way to the wooden door, which opened and brought in water that had fallen all around the ground. And there outside was a sight he did not expect. There was a black carriage, full pulled by four black horses. And there, standing in front of him, was a well-to-do gentleman. He had grey hair and a long grey beard, a coat that must have cost a hundred pounds, a tricorn hat on his head. And he spoke in a voice not of the same class as Reed and Mary. Hello, um, my name is... Martin, Squire Martin, and um, have I the honour of addressing Reed, Mr. Reed Stanton? You have? As soon as Squire Martin spoke, Reed could tell that he was in his cups. He was swaying and drunk and had a wild look in his eyes. If you don't mind, could I possibly just come into your house for a few moments? There's a favour I must ask of you. Come in. Squire Martin stepped over the threshold into the house, sat on a wooden chair in the kitchen. Um, I didn't know how to broach this, but a ship passed this way last night. It was called the Myrmidon, and the Myrmidon was bringing me a lot of, well, something from South America. I was due to meet it in Swansea Port this morning, but... The captain told me that because of um, certain complications and the weather last night, they've had to drop the cargo, as you would call it, off just off the coast here, um, near a sandbank, which is just about half a mile from the, where we sit now. I know it. Well, unfortunately, I, I'm not a sailor and I don't have a ship or a boat, but I know that you have, Mr. Stanton, and I was hoping that I could pay you handsomely to use your fishing nets to retrieve that which was left for me off Rossilli Bay. 
How much will you pay me? I will pay you a hundred pounds. That was more money than Reed or Mary had ever seen in their life. They looked at each other, aghast at what Squire Martin had just told them. All right, I'll do it. Kissing his wife goodbye, Squire Martin and Reed Stanton pulled the small fishing boat from round the back of the old rectory and pushed it out to sea. Reed rowed about half a mile until they came to the sandbank. Reed brought out his fishing net and brought it down far below. But even from the surface, he could see what lay below on the sandbank. A black wooden box shaped like a coffin. It took all that Reed and Squire Martin had to pull up that box. It was small for a coffin, but large for a box. And as they struggled and pulled at the net and to finally got it over the rim of the boat into the bottom, it fell open. And what fell out of the box caused Reed Stanton's heart to miss several beats. A rotten, grey hand and arm flopped out of the box. The skin, the colour of stone. Quickly, Squire Martin put the, the arm back in the box and closed it suddenly. Don't worry about that. It's nothing important. Let's just get this back to your house. They rowed the boat to the beach, pulled the box up the sand entered into the house and there on the kitchen floor they opened it and revealed what was inside. Squire Martin opened the box fully and Reed Stanton, Mary and the squire peered within. There in what was definitely a coffin lay the figure of a man. Around his head was a sort of crown made from dead feathers. Around his waist was a loincloth, again of feathers and leather, and around his neck he wore a thick, fully gold necklace, the front shaped like a shining sun. His arms and his legs were covered in bangles and bracelets made from the thickest gold, and all around his body, which was rotten and putrid, were gold coins, hundreds and hundreds of gold coins. What is this? said Reed. I do not know what... Why do you bring this into my house? My my friend, um, I, I work in, in the realm of science, and this is the body of someone from far away. Um, it's not important. He is, um, well, was, king in his own land, but... Um, the treasure is, is now mine. He picked up a load of gold coins from the coffin and put them into Reed's hands. Just help me carry this back into the, uh, the carriage and I'll be on my way. You cannot take that body, it's putrid. No, you're right. I can't take the body. Help me sit it up. Swallowing the sick that seemed to raise in his, in his throat. Reed sat there and lifted the body and pulled the gold necklace from around its head, pulled the bangles from its arms, pulled the bangles and bracelets from its legs. 
Squire Martin took the thick gold necklace and placed it over the head of Mary Stanton. My lady, please keep this. It's a wonder for you to have. <laughs> oh, what shall we do with this fellow? I know. I'll just throw him in the sea. <laughs> Don't throw him in the sea. He will come back. Look outside, Mr. Stanton. You'll see that the rain and the wind is coming up once more. This body will soon be washed out. No one should ever know of it. I will bury it in the... You will not bury it anywhere. I will take it away. Don't put it in the sea. My good friend, why on earth should you worry? I have made you and your little wife richer than anyone within a hundred miles of here. You don't have to dirty your hands. I will take the body. And with that, Squire Martin left the house, walked down towards the sea, walked out until the sea lapped around his waist, then using all his strength, threw the body that had come from across the world into the mercy of the ocean. Reed Stanton was very, very annoyed. We won't let him back in. We will not let him back in our house. He has given us the money. Now he can leave. He dragged the coffin outside and loaded it onto, onto the carriage the Squire Marshall had bought. As he walked back to the house, he turned to the Squire. Go from here and do not return. He turned and walked to the house, the squire following up the road. Look at me, sir. Why don't you look at me? I have made you rich. Reed Stanton closed the doors. The squire hammered upon it. Why don't you look at me? Reed looked out of the window as the squire again drank from his flask, then got on his carriage. And just as the night was starting to, to rise, the moon was starting to come up, the time between times was upon us. He rode off into the night, the sound of the carriage wheels and the horses vanishing in the distance. It was then that the wind came. It was then that the lightning came and lit up the sky. It was then that the night fell like a shroud. And before long, you could barely see your hand in front of your face. Reed and Mary sat excitedly by the fire, listening to the storm raging outside. Who'd have thought we would be this wealthy. Who would have thought that this would happen to us? Just poor peasants from this part of the land. I'm not happy with it, said Mary. Don't worry, we'll go to Swansea tomorrow and change all this money. We can leave from here, we can sell this house. We can be gone. A fitful night brought a new dawn, and Reed opened the window in the morning, to see the sun rising. Some of the fishermen were starting to make their way out onto the stormy sea, and one of them called. Did you not see what happened, Reed? The squire! The squire! The squire from Swansea rode into the town yesterday. Last night. They do not know how. But his coach has fallen from the cliff top and shattered on the rocks. They have just pulled his body onto the beach. Come and see. They say that it's full of gold. They say he had gold stuffed down his trousers. As the fisherman spoke, 
Reed's blood run cold. He looked at Mary, then left the house, making his way to the foot of the cliffs near Worm's Head. And there, sure enough, in a place where a carriage should not be, no matter how badly it was driven, was a smashed carriage, dead horses, and the Squire Martin's body broken on the rocks, a look of utter horror on his face. All the townsfolk were grabbling up the, the, the gold coins, rushing back to town. Reed hurriedly made his way home. Close the door. We do not go out. We do not mention anything. A disaster has happened. The squire is lost. I knew this was a bad idea. They closed the door, waited until the sun started to set, packed their clothes and belongings away, hid their gold coins under the floorboards, and prepared to spend a last night in the old rectory in Rossilli Bay. Unfortunately, the night brought new terrors. A shepherd was walking the coastal path, looked down just after midnight. He knew it was so, for the village bells were ringing, and saw something shuffling out of the sea, pulling its way up through the rocks, over into the sand, the waves lapping on its feet. The thing stumbled and fell and crawled and grasped its way up the beach. What the eyewitness reported, more than anything, was how grey it looked. It shuffled its way all the way to the house, pulled at the front door and went inside. Within moments the house was ablaze, the villagers came running, but there was no saving the Stantons. They were lost in the blaze as the old rectory started to burn. What puzzled everyone was in the morning. A set of footsteps were seen, footprints in the sand, making their way from the sea to the house, and then from the house back to the sea. It is said that even now, when the nights are dark, the sun sets in the time between times, something grey and shuffling is often seen making its way out of the sea, up the beach towards the rectory. And on the same night, a ghostly carriage carrying Squire Martin is seen going up and down the stony, rocky, cliffy paths as he screams into the night and the horses ninnying away. <laughs> Only a few months ago, a diver reported swimming off the beach. As he looked down, he saw at the bottom of the ocean a golden necklace shaped like a sun. As he dived down to grab it, he placed his hand on the necklace when he felt something cold and clammy grab hold of his arm. The diver made his way to the surface, terrified. And of the necklace, 
it was not seen again. Many of the reports of the phantom coach, many of the reports of this grey something making its way out of the ocean. And there in the house, when people come to stay at the old rectory, a couple in Victorian clothes are often seen wandering through the house, from the living area to the kitchen, up and down the stairs, both of them with skin as grey as stone. Also, on cold nights, when the moon is full, a voice is also heard echoing across the bay. Why won't you look at me? Why won't you look at me? Why won't you look at me? Is what it cries. But now we know who that belongs to. For that cursed treasure was better left unclaimed. And now the ghosts wander Rossilli Beach every night since that night and are still there today. And that, my friends, is the sad, gripping tale of the ghosts of Gower. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope for just a few moments in time you could leave behind all your cares, your worries and your strife to join me for a ghost story of the time between times. I hope you enjoyed that story. Please follow me at, on Twitter at Owen S. Griffiths. Also, you can contact me via email at owenstaten at aol.com. Please, I would love to hear from you, to see how much you are enjoying this podcast, to see how much you are enjoying the tales, or if there are any tales you want me to tell that you have not heard yet. This tale will not appear on the videos on YouTube until the week of Halloween. So please... Accept it as a preview from me to you. Tell your friends about this podcast. Please share it. And join me again at the time between times. The time when it is neither night nor day and the sun is gone and the sky is grey. Until then, sleep well. No star. <laughs>